welcome to another episode of Tales of Tabat, a Genshin lore podcast. Last week, we dove straight into the chasm and talked about spaceships, Danesleaf, and the hidden memories that the chasm holds. Luckily, we all made it out thanks to the fantastic compass, and we're here today where we'll be discussing Enjo and the plight of Inkanomiya. Additionally, I want to remind travelers to visit talesofdevot.com to see visual representations of the lore mentioned during today's podcast. Your guides have put them together for you to make things a little easier to understand. On our site, you can also find some awesome goodies, including artist spotlights from the community for each episode, wallpapers for download, and a way to check out some of our favorite Genshin merch. Finally, feel free to email us at talesofthebotpod at gmail.com to let us know what you think of this week's episode and what topics you'd like to see in the future. So, Inkanomiya, we first encounter it after doing a ritual in Watasumi Island. And I just want to say before we jump into it that we are sent to Watasumi Island or we decide to go to Watasumi Island to check in with Kokomi after Paimon tells us that we haven't been there in a while and like we should go check in. Why does Paimon always know when shit is going on? Isn't isn't it a little <laughs> peculiar? I mean, why does Paimon never tell us anything about her past? Like and I don't I don't understand why we don't ask her about it. <laughs> like I'm sorry, uh who are you again and why am I following you around and how do you know all of this stuff exactly <laughs> paimon's like i'm just a fish oh, she's like i just want to see my brethren down in Inkanomiya. that would explain why she wants to go to watasumi exactly if she's a fish it's very fishy over there she's like kokomi is actually my sister i am here to vibe <laughs> after last episode where we talked about the seelies being divine envoys and everything coming from celestia i'm fully back on board with the paimon is a seelie theory oh no just want you all to know yeah i think she's a seelie what if paimon was like the daughter of the goddess of flowers maybe or is like the mini version you know how we keep talking about like how paimon might be like the condensed version of the time god maybe she's the condensed version of the goddess of flowers although people think it's kave <laughs> i'm down for that i would be down for that because a lot of people are like i'll hate them is the reincarnation of king deshra and i'm like i'm all for this <laughs> <laughs> but i will bring us back to inazuma i'm my bad i like to sidetrack us a lot so paimon as sus as she is sometimes i still love her says you know traveler we should go to watasumi island and check in with kokomi we haven't been there in a while and we're like you right paimon let's go check in on our favorite fish and we go over and kokomi starts to tell us that they need to get into inkanomiya and we do this entire like quest to unlock a bunch of like pillars or something yes and the pillars had some kind of symbol on them and where we have to do a bunch of weird stuff that didn't really it didn't feel like it made much sense at the time yeah i'm sure it did and but. it was also getting the pearls and putting them in place and all that kind of stuff too at the same time i think most of us were like so you're telling me if i jump through all these hoops that this will open up the giant hole in the middle of your island cool cool i got it i'm down yeah. <laughs> another butthole great and yeah <laughs> this isn't just a butthole it's a juicy butthole oh, and no. the first butthole yeah, the first we have a butthole problem. We do have a butthole problem. And I'm gonna see if we can go one episode without talking about a butthole. No, <laughs> that's not fun. <laughs> it's also impossible. We are tater tots. Come on now. This butthole um, is really adventurous too because it's clearly getting douched. <laughs> I see. I thought I thought it looked more like a toilet, honestly. <laughs> 
<laughs> it was Kokomi's Perpetually in flush. Wait, wait, just you know Kokomi's? What? It's actually a portable. Yeah, it's hers. a portal to Flushing, New York. It's just she's it's a queen. Perfect. <laughs> Is this like the the toilet portals in Starrail and stuff? Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, God. I did that. I totally. I walked right into it. Yes, I know. It's like did. the one thing I tell Tiff all the time is that the toilets are portals, and you can talk to the trash. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, toilets aside. So yeah, we unlocked this giant hole <laughs> in the ground, and and. We go down and we land in like what is it called? Like the tail of Incaromia, kind of. Oh, is that what we're gonna call it? Is that the the new word for butthole? Well, because you see a serpent in it, don't you? Did I make this up? Like you can actually see a serpent in the setup of Incaromia. I mean, one part is called Serpent's Head, but it almost relates to what's above ground as well. So you're saying that a large snake <laughs> is going. Into that hole? <laughs> well, anyway, so when we land, the hole leads us into the serpent's bowels. Oh, my God. Oh, God. This is just writing itself. <laughs> Writes itself. You know, we don't even have to make a bust your gut <laughs> joke. It just <laughs> is there. <laughs> so we land in the serpent's bowels. And I remember being like, there's a lot of Sangonomia pearls here. This is lit. I was like grabbing that shit up. I was also grabbing a ton of, of the seaweed ingredient because I, that was when I was in my miso soup phase and I really needed to like <laughs> have all the seaweed I could. There was the cool stingrays you could catch too. And I was like, <gasps> I instantly thought of Tiff and I'm like, Tiff needs these. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we see the stingrays after we leave the serpent's bowels because that I don't remember. Yeah, they're in there. Mm-hmm. Somewhere. Because <laughs> when you first get down there, though, you're you're also fighting for your life. That's as true. you are in the majority of Inconomia. Mm-hmm. So you probably didn't notice them as first, or they didn't show up until you finally finish all that battling. But yeah, they're over. So when you drop down now, they're over to the left. Wait, did you say you can catch them? Are you talking about the, yes. the flying stingrays? Wait, no, no, you not can't those. catch them. Those are beautiful. They're These are just fish. Ones. Yeah, they're just fish. They're like yellow or green or blue, and they're actually really, really, really cute looking, but they're really fucking hard to catch. I believe you can put them, if you get the giant fish tank for your teapot, Mm -hmm. I believe there are ways that you can put it there. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't know this. Oh my god, I didn't either. This is because Brandon and I don't fish. <laughs> yeah, I fished until I fish got more. the catch, and then I was done. Yeah, <laughs> forever. Well, now I've been trying to go through all of my achievements, and I'm like, oh, that's a lot of fish. I gotta go. So there's going to be a lot of fishing going on in my world because now I need to just hit the achievement. Oh right, right. you had to catch two thousand fish, I think. Yeah, or a thousand, something like that. Oh, oh you're no. talking about the fish, and I get it now. I've caught up. Yeah, <laughs> you're with us. Um. It's so funny how, like, even these side worlds have fishing spots. They're like, you want to go fishing? I'm like, no, I just dropped into a butthole and I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) Meanwhile, I'm like, sure. (laughs) I'll take a break and do some fishing. Yeah. (laughs) I like fishing. 
in game. So we we go to Ikaromiya, we trek through the bowels, <laughs> and eventually we lead out into the mainlands of Ikaromiya. And there's some cool like portal transportation things we use to get from like the serpent bowels over to the narrows, which is like the first area of Ikaromiya. And I gotta say, my first thoughts were screenshot, screenshot, screenshot. I was like, this is so cool. Oh yeah, especially when you come out of that first gate mm-hmm. and there's yeah. that big expanse in front of you with the light. Yeah. One of my favorite screenshots is Fischl moving in such a way where it looks like she's shielding her eyes from the light from that. It's also really cool, too, when you're down there. I mean, it takes a little bit to get your almost like your kind of levels because you are a little crooked and everywhere mm-hmm. you go, which makes everything prettier, but at the same time can also kind of throw you for a weird little loop. little disorienting. Yeah. 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 Anyone who gets like motion sickness easily, I feel like struggles at mm-hmm. first. It's beautiful and dark. <laughs> and what's interesting, too, when you, like, look out into that expanse that Brandon mentioned, everything is floating. Like, there, nothing is solidly attached to ground. We are just yeah. floating midair. Mm-hmm. And you can, like, do a dive attack and you just keep going for a while. <laughs> Which is so, like, the physics of, of this is so bizarre. Like, yeah. are we at the core of the planet? Is that what's supposed to be happening? And why is there a water tunnel that goes down? Yeah. Where does the water go? Or is this a sea of quanta? Oh, <gasps> Jesus. Oh, no. Already. Yeah. Or it could just be like, you know how it's not the sea of quanta, but they reference another type of sea. The dark sea. The or dark sea. Called. Yeah. Maybe this is where it's resting because you're right. Where is this water going to? There's obviously some form of gravity. It actually makes a lot of sense for it to be the sea of quanta. I, <laughs> I don't want to get too deep into it, but <laughs> that the way that's described in Honkai <laughs> impact is that it's sort of like the overflow of different worlds and the energy that's sort of running off of each world it pools into one big glop <laughs> hey did you guys know that you can go fishing in economy <laughs> <laughs> i will say i actually like the idea that it could be the dark sea because we kind of talked about the dark sea being outside of the normal realm of like the seven and the dark sea being maybe a place where like the sealies originated and when we did our moon princesses episode we did talk about the fact that in Inconomia, the sealy courts aren't broken so it makes sense if like mm-hmm. when the sealies were kind of like not allowed into bot anymore because they were probably those envoys to celestia and everything right that they went back to their original homeland underwater well there's several other places where their statues aren't dilapidated or like you know in ruins Mm -hmm. which is also the chasm and parts of the desert they aren't disheveled if you will so that could just be due to well no i I was about to say due to environment and like in some like in in kalamia and the chasm that makes sense but not the desert because sand is fucking vicious well i think in the desert it's more so the goddess of flowers protecting them but i think that since they got exiled at the same time that Enconomia fell into the sea. That makes sense for Enconomia. And then for the chasm in the desert, I would guess that those are some of the older places where maybe there were some Seelies that survived a little bit. Ooh. Mm. Um, that's my theory on that. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, the one thing we keep mentioning a little bit, and I'm sure we'll get a, a further into is Enconomia is underground. Enconomia falls into the sea. Mm-hmm. There's a time when it's not. 
There's a time when there's people there. There's time when people fall in and they're trapped. There's a lot of physics in this entire thing that gets me so brain marbled. So while we go through this, you know, kind of starting from where these people kind of started, we have to just kind of make that point for for people like me who need a little bit of help. We're talking about in Kanomiya at one point that was still not Watasumi Island, but it still wasn't all the way down into the depths and like dark and stuff too. Why don't we jump into the actual history of Enkanomiya and where the original origins of it were? Because I think that's a great point, Tiff, and it's very confusing. I mean, I remember when Enkanomiya even came out being like, why do I have to go through a hole? What is going on? Like, <laughs> So Enkanomiya was originally in the elemental realm, right? That's the human realm? <laughs> the, yes, the light slash elemental realm, which was in sync with the human realm. So Enkanomiya was once there. And as a lot of our, as a lot of travelers may remember, there was a primordial god already here in Tavat. And then the second who came, came from wherever (laughs) Mm -hmm. and caused chaos. So we talked a lot about that actually last week in the Chasm episode. And when that happened, the fight led to a some sort of ripple that sunk in Karomiya into the sea. Which would make sense for if it was the dark sea too. Just saying. Because we don't really call mm-hmm. anything a sea. We don't even know what the like water between Inazuma and everything else is called. Isn't that kind of weird? Yeah, I mean, the dark sea, I almost think of it as like the entrance to the abyss via the ocean. Mm. I could be wrong. But you remember when we fight Osile and we jump down a whirlpool as well? And yeah. then we're just like in a little weird self-contained yeah. island thing. And we're finding a sile. It's almost like it's, a little cavern. Yeah. So it's like, what is it that's making these whirlpools tunnel all the way down to the bottom of the sea? Or in the case of Enconomia, it's even deeper than that. So it, it makes me think that there's a there are entrances to the abyss in the ocean. I definitely think that's a great point. It's very confusing. Like you said, the physics tiff are very confusing of Enconomia yeah. <laughs> as a whole. So when Enconomia gets sunk into the ground, most of the gods of Tavat, because remember there are a ton of gods around at this point, this is pre-Archon War, totally forget about Enconomia, except for Istaroth, who is the time god. Yes, what the time god and one of the four shades of the primordial one. And I think what's really interesting, though, is that they don't call Istaroth Istaroth, right? Like, they have a different secret name for Istaroth. Yes, they call Istaroth Kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S, or the ruler of the unchanging world. Um, and they said that they dare not speak her true secret name. So it's kind of like, what? For, well, why is it secret? Uh, that's weird. But yeah, when they sunk into the sea, you know, Kairos was the only god that would go and check in on them and and sort of communicate with them and as we know back when the primordial one was was around before the second who came and they the primordial one had these divine envoys you know this grand unified civilization that was wandering around to that they actually had you know via these divine envoys a direct communication line through to the primordial one so when the second who came showed up it was sort of like the first calamity before you know the cataclysm that we think of from 500 years ago and again this was like around 6000 years ago i believe and when this happened 
and they were thrown into the ocean or whatever, they were kind of cut off from having any kind of communication. And Istaroth being one of the four shades of the primordial one, which is interesting, was the only one that would sort of go down and check on them, which made it even more interesting when they actually would try to come up from Enconomia to the surface and they were somehow not able to do that. And we're assuming that the primordial one wouldn't let them, or maybe it was the second who came that wouldn't let them. We're not really sure, of course, of the outcome of that war between those two. Do you think that maybe Istaroth didn't want their real name out there because they weren't allowed to go down and visit Enconomia? Like maybe the primordial one was like, F them, don't go visit and then Isaroth was kind of going against what the primordial one wanted. And maybe that's why it was such a secret, more so protecting yeah. Isaroth. So one thing I'm not clear on is when the primordial one splits herself into four shades, is one of those shades still like the main version? Because to me, it seems like there would be three other shades. Like maybe now they're all fighting with each other or debating on how to handle things. So maybe Isaroth is at odds with the other three shades. Because there's a lot of Greek, usually when there's that like splitting of four. The original is still there, but the four are given the powers to kind of just do what the original did. Not necessarily like a retirement, but kind of. Oh, is that like a common thing in Greek mythology of like splitting like that? In some sense. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know as much about that kind of stuff that I wish I did. <laughs> yeah, I don't know anything about that. I can't remember the exact term it's called, but it's a, it's a type of mythology where we have the two like creation gods, which is order and chaos. And from them, they break down into very specific sets of gods and like titans and they all are aspects of order and chaos, but they are, are their own each identity, which is like from Aphrodite, we have several different gods of love, but it's not just, you know, love in general, it's, you know, romantic love and familial love and platonic love. It's something similar to that. We can also see it in a few other different older mythologies. I'd have to get back the whole giant list because it's fucking hundreds of fucking minor gods in there, but it could be a possibility of, of one of those where the original is still there, but the four shades, they have taken an aspect of what the original was and take part of that. Well, I think one thing that I did note when looking into the primordial one and this ties into, I, I believe this is ancient Greek mythology, was that the primordial one was known as, I don't, I'm not sure how to say this, is it Phanes? P-H-A-N-E-S? Yes, Fane. I like to say it as Fannies in my head, <laughs> just to go with, you know, the whole butt vibe that we have going on. So Fannies was what the primordial one was known as, and before, I, I guess before she split herself into four shades, and then an Orphic... The Orphic egg. Yes, so... In ancient Greek mythology, Phanes was often equated with Eros and Mithras and has been depicted as a deity emerging from a cosmic egg entwined with a serpent, which sounds a lot like the Genesis mm -hmm. Pearl. Yes. I was going to say, that sounds a lot like Lady Gaga. Didn't she show up to an award show in a big giant egg? Yes, she did. <laughs> Wait, but I have a question. <laughs> mm -hmm. Is Istaroth dead? Do we assume that Istaroth is dead or alive? I think Istaroth, because when Bees was reading off what when they were calling Hyros, they used the gender term she. Mm -hmm. And who else do we know? I mean, we know many she's in this, but the possibility 
of someone who is related to Istaroth and is gen- like does use the gender term of she. This is the first time we know that the entity of Istaroth is more femme presenting and is using the gender term of she. That could lead to it being Haimon or even another character we've not met yet, but I don't think Estroth is dead. I do not believe so. I don't think any of the shades are dead. If not, they could have split themselves again and created more shades of themselves. So then is the primordial one out of existence because of the split? No. Well, we don't know. We don't know who won the war between the primordial one okay. and the second who came. So, but like the primordial one and the shades could have existed at the same time. It's not like one yes. became the other. Kind of like going back to Greek mythology of like Gaia and Kronos. They're not like the OGs, but for example, Kronos is the god of time while Gaia is the goddess of earth and from them we have the major pantheon so we have zeus hades poseidon we have um forget everyone except the top three brothers because of lore olympus right now but they all become an aspect of like time and of earth so zeus is of sky hades is of the underworld which is part of time but also of the earth poseidon is of the sea So you can kind of see how it kind of breaks down categorically. It kind of follows a very similar way as to how, oh God, which Greek philosopher did this? How humans almost strangely in and of ourselves always want to categorize things and place things specifically. And in a way, the entirety of the Greek pantheon and the Greek mythos when it looks at the family tree is kind of that specific categorization. Getting way too sidetracked here. Sorry about that. No, no, no. I actually think it's interesting. I have this weird... I have this weird thought that, like, Istaroth is dead, personally. Oh, And the reason I say that is, A, some of the Venti lore. I don't remember if Venti says anything specifically about Istaroth being dead, but I just have this feeling that, like, Istaroth isn't there for Venti anymore. And it would make sense because Istaroth does stop visiting Inkonomiya, right? Like, Istaroth kind of goes MIA at one point, and that's when the Sun Children take over, possibly? The demon spawn. I don't know. Does it say that for sure? I know that they explain that Kairos was the only ruler who had not forsaken them. Yeah, because Istaroth, aka Kairos, gave the knowledge to, I can't remember who, but gave the knowledge that ended up giving Koshi the knowledge to create the Helios, aka the sun. Another Greek reference Helios the sun god, which is very similar to the story of a certain titan that gave fire to humans. There's a lot of of weird mythology happening that seems to overlap other areas of Mm -hmm. to that, which I thought was strange. Oh, also before we go more into that, Beanie, I just realized that you mentioned before that there were a lot of gods around, and according to Enjo, during one of the world quests, he actually specifically says that the book series that is set before sun and moon which is before they they fix you know the sun chariot down in economia he said that back then that no gods walk the earth and the whole land belonged to a single civilization so that unified civilization that we're always talking about according to 
Enjo, and according, I guess, to this unified civilization, or at least the Enconomia branch of it, that there were no gods walking the earth yet. I would, I'm thinking that they might have gained their powers or something sometime after that first calamity 6,000 years ago. So is it like the idea that the second who came kind of is the one who led other gods to the planet, like to Tavat? Possibly, yeah. Like, you know, originally it was just like the primordial one in the four shades kind of vibing around and then... And their Seelies guiding the new humans. And then the second who came shows up. They basically start letting everyone know that the world is fake. And all the humans are like, what the hell? And the primordial one's like, no, 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 no. We're not doing this. And then all hell breaks loose. So There is this theory in anthropology and religious studies that as humans become, I say this quote unquote because I don't agree with the term, become more civilized, the less necessity on spirit figures like gods become you know a thing so the idea that there were no gods that walked the earth when it was all a united civilization is kind of interesting and then when that united civilization fell and we're assuming that everyone is broken off into smaller you know like locales we have a bunch of different gods happening. We see all these gods slowly die off. Now it's just the seven archons. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's kind of coming to that because there's the theory of, at least in human history, it goes animism, which is the idea of looking to nature and seeing spirits and gods within nature, because that's what you're dealing with the majority of the time, to polytheism, many gods, monotheism, one god, to the possibility of atheism, which the idea of no gods. So it could even be a reference to that, which I thought was kind of interesting. Hmm, that is. And I also want to say, we've been bringing up a lot of Greek lore, and I think we are going to continue to bring up a lot of Greek lore throughout this episode for our travelers, just as a heads up. <laughs> but I really find that the Greek lore connection is so interesting because as you've mentioned a lot in the past, Al, Celestia seems to have a lot of Greek influence. So it's interesting that Inconomia, which was possibly part of this first what did you call it brandon the first like unified civilization thank you the first unified civil <laughs> i can't even fucking say it. the first unified civilization might have all had like greek origins and like not well you know what i mean celestial greek whatever you want to call it celestial right. origins and designs and mm-hmm. i just think that is so cool that it was a connection i didn't have before we started doing this episode was that hey maybe celestia actually really influence the world which would also make sense i know i always call it the thousand winds temple and the thousand winds temple extension site over in monstat but that also is very greek it's very like Colosseum style mm-hmm. which i guess might be more roman right but whatever they're so similar and all the history buffs are gonna be like <gasps> i'm not gonna lie looking at certain structures in Inconomia. It reminds me a lot of Greek plazas, but a lot of the artwork is very Celtic in design. There's a lot of knotwork, which is very interesting because it reminds me of Druids. But maybe if I looked a little bit deeper at the Hellenistic age and looking a bit more at the architecture in like early Greek or even like Macedonia, we might find a bit more of a connection. I'm getting more of that feel now. That you point that out. 
Mm. But let's go back a little bit to Inkanomiya. So we were talking about Istaroth, aka Kairos. We mentioned that, you know, Kairos is a Greek word. It typically means something along the lines of like uh, the right or like an opportune moment. And it also is can mean like weather or time, which I also think is interesting since we can adjust the weather in Sumeru in certain parts because of the Aranaras. So I wonder if there is like a connection to Sumeru and like the Aranaras to in to Istaroth too. I'm not really sure. But Istaroth, I don't remember. We were kind of getting here just now. Does Istaroth disappear? Or do the Sun Children slowly start to take over while Istaroth is still around? Maybe they ate him. Oh <gasps> Tev. Animalism. I like why it. <laughs> Kids are weird. <laughs> maybe that's why Paimon's so obsessed with food. They, maybe they just used her as a flashlight. Because when they first sunk, they, there were three years of darkness and economy. Yeah. The whole, whole group of people in economy lived in complete darkness for three years, which is a long time to be living in the dark. And then one year after that was the year of sight or the first year of sun and moon. And they talk about Helios or the divine chariot of the sun finally being completed. And that's when the white knight came and the ever night was banished and the years of of the sun and moon began. And I thought that was really strange because we just talked again about this whole myth of this chariot of the sun or the solar chariot, along with, you know, we, we've also talked in past episodes about the moon sisters being in a lunar chariot. And so it's strange to me that they're plunged into darkness and that four years later, they finish creating a, a new sun chariot and they're actually using that same sort of myth that i would assume is taking place on the surface because we know that that's how they saw things on the surface and that you know around 2000 to 2600 years ago that there's this myth of the star that fell and created the chasm lifting back up and like leaping back into the sky after it was repaired mm-hmm. and that that was the sun chariot so it seems like whatever that technology was was also given to Enconomia to and I don't Al I don't know if you were saying that Istaroth is the one who gave them that maybe yeah I'm gonna butcher the fuck out of the name, but Istroth gave knowledge to Araku no Makotu, who then gave that knowledge to Mikoshi, who then made Helios. The Dainichi Mikoshi, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. It almost sounds like Istroth, you know, was feeling sorry for these suckers down in the dark. <laughs> And was like, I'm not supposed to help y'all, but here, why don't you take this technology we're using to create the sun and the moons up top and at least create yourself a sun so you're not living in the dark with all these crazy shark bishops. Unless the reason we haven't heard from Istroth is not because they're dead, but possibly because the primordial one or the second who came, whoever the fuck is in charge, found out about this and decided to punish them. And that's why they're not allowed to come back up for so long yeah perhaps that was the reason and the reason we don't hear about Istaroth is because they're imprisoned mm-hmm. definitely possible I also feel like Istaroth could have like like say like the primordial one is dead which like, we don't really know but like, let's say let's say the primordial one is dead like there might have been a power vacuum amongst all the shades mm-hmm. and Istaroth could have been like going undercover to helping Hanomiya and the other three are like what are you doing and you know they get in trouble with the other shades Right. We were starting to talk a little bit about Helios and the Sun Chariot. What I think is really interesting is that in Greek mythology, actually, I am going to go into a different light of Greek than I was originally going to. (laughs) In Greek mythology... 
Helios is the god of the sun, and they're really known generally for just being around. They don't have a lot of very popular stories, which I think is interesting, but they are popular from one story in which their son, Phaethon, 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 please, everyone, you know, I can't pronounce anything. So please. It's hard. <laughs> uh, so Phaethon goes up to his dad and it's like, Ayo, dad, you're the son. I got a favor to ask you. And he leaves is like, whatever you want, my son. I got you, boo. And then Phaethon is like, all right, I want to drive your four horse fiery chariot across the sky oh i remember this oh no and helios is like uh but helios already agreed so helios got no choice so helios lets his son despite explaining the fact that it was very dangerous that he shouldn't do it like blah 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 his son was like nah dad you said i could so i'm gonna do it and he goes and it was a disaster it was such a disaster that zeus struck down his son uh, struck down Helios's son with a lightning bolt in order to stop him from burning or freezing the earth beyond salvation. Which the first thing I thought of was when Brandon mentioned the frost coming over possibly all of Tavat. I don't know though if the timeline is like accurate though. You were talking about how like the people of Salvinier were looking for like a not snowy place <laughs> and we had talked a little bit last week about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah there's some artifacts that mention when humanity first starts walking to that that and at the time of the first fire so it's just a theory because we don't really know for sure but yeah it's almost like a theory of early to that was very cold mm -hmm. and sort of frozen it makes me wonder if like maybe when the sun chariot fell down and crashed in Tavat, celestia is almost like a representation like zeus could be like a representation of celestia you know like your god up in the sky watching over everything you do and maybe celestia quote-unquote sky nailed or struck down people i don't know it's kind of a stretch but i feel like there's somehow that that connects and i feel like if you don't throw in the fact that like inghanomia calls their sun chariot helios it would not connect at all which is again like fuck hoyoverse we're bringing so much greek mythology into this shit <laughs> <laughs> But the sun chariot in this case is, or it's a it's a new sun chariot, right? This is like a second one. It's not the same one as above the ground. I'm assuming that is the case. This is like the mimic. This is the cheap, like, wish version. Yeah. <laughs> right. Like, okay. I'm just sure. <laughs> so that's how they start to get light and they exit out of this, like, dark era. They leave the, like, sad depression of darkness, which I'd like to know how their bodies adjusted to that personally. But... <laughs> wow <laughs> what imagine having to be in the dark for three years yeah. like i would assume well, i mean didn't they start to turn into like lizard people well this is what happened <laughs> in skyrim <laughs> this is what happened in skyrim y'all so let me give you a quick overcap about lizard people <laughs> yes please enlighten us <laughs> wait we're not gonna talk about anyway no no no. just in genshin no one else no illuminati <laughs> so in genshin <laughs> there is a time period and i know we keep kind of skipping around it but the sun children are like these kids who are kind of like puppets not scaramouche puppets but other puppets and they're kind of used to be like these little dipshits that rule in <laughs> 
<laughs> I can't. Just imagine a kid running fucking <laughs> Obia in the dark. Yeah. It's a Richard II type of situation. It's yeah. a seven-year-old on a throne. It's multiple seven-year-olds on the throne, too. Even yeah. worse. Which, ironically, the number seven comes up a lot. In the symbology of seven is known as perfection, but also as a way to commune with God. I honestly just imagine, like, you know, the Haribo gummy commercials? Yeah. Where all the kids are just, like, CEOs sitting around the table. Yeah. I like the berries. That's how I imagine the Sun Children managing Mm -hmm. Inconomia. Someone's like, I don't like the red one. They're like, die, push them off the ledge into the unknown, go. Anyway, when the Sun Children are ruling, the Archon War actually happens above ground, not in Inconomia. And after the Archon War, Orobashi flees to Inkanomiya. He's injured. He does not want to be there anymore. I don't blame him. Can you just remind everybody who Orobashi is? Yes, of course. Orobashi is a snake god. I went to make a snake noise, but I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> Orobashi was actually severely injured during the Archon War, but he was one of the gods, not an Archon, but a god. Remember, an Archon is the seven who came out on top after the Archon War. The other people are just gods. There's a lot of gods out there. Other people and creatures I should say. So Orobashi, the snake god, he gets scared and he goes underground to Inkanomiya and he's kind of hiding and a child, not a sun child but and not child with an E, a regular old child <laughs> living in Inkanomiya finds Orobashi and quite literally goes up to Orobashi and is like, you should like be our god. And Orobashi's like, yeah, that's a great idea actually. Cool. <laughs> and Orobashi abolishes the sun children. He's like, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> <laughs> and he takes over rule of Inkanomiya. Orobashi starts to... I, I don't, I don't want to say, like... I guess I have to say it. He kind of, like, starts breathing. I don't know. Like, they, they like... There's, there's, like... They say... <laughs> <laughs> like, what, is that? what is that what are you trying to tell us <laughs> was what a snake greedy you know what can you, you explain know? us a little bit more amanda i'm not sure i follow when one snake and another snake <laughs> yeah after exactly. they i want to hear fiends say they be fucking yes exactly thank you out so at one point we have this event called the three realms gateway offering event and it's the an event and we go down there and i think one of the coolest things that comes out of that event is that we learn that Inkanomia is this guidance area to some of the other realms and so we meet this shrine maiden in Inkanomia named sumi and sumi wears a mask and we are told kind of through whispers of other people in Inkanomia, this is post us unlocking Inkanomia. It's like a whole separate quest that she has like lizard eyes and snake pupils. And later on, we go back to Kokomi and we tell Kokomi that we met Sumi and like how crazy it is. And Kokomi says that Sumi is likely the last vessel of Watasumi, which is a race of human and snake hybrids. And they are considered familiars of Orobashi. So I don't know. Maybe they weren't necessarily breeding, <laughs> uh, but they were at least familiars. And I-, I know familiars as Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> so I don't know if like somehow, you know, maybe that is how evolution took over down there when it was dark and they started to become like these lizardy people. I mean, some snakes can do parthenogenesis. 
<laughs> There's one thing to keep in mind, though, which you find out within the book Before Sun and Moon, which is that there were quote-unquote people of the Seven Sovereigns. So when the Seven Sovereigns battled the primordial one and lost the primordial one started being like i'm gonna prepare this world for humans and there were quote-unquote people of the seven sovereigns that rejected this and and there were also dragon type creatures or just dragons that rejected this as well and so they fled and took refuge in the oceans so this is sort of where you know you get the dragon heirs and the bishops of Enconomia, where they were sort of like going all golem down <laughs> in the depths of the sea because they knew that they were going to get smacked down by the primordial one if they tried to go up and be a part of the surface, which makes a lot of sense because Oribashi being in the sea, we know Osile is in the ocean. What is the dragon air again? The dragon airs of the depths. So those would be the bishops. Not the vishyams. Vishops, the bishops, however, however you say it. <laughs> Vishop, I've been learning that all my favorite <laughs> words are wrong. <laughs> so I'm mad. But it's actually funny that you say that, Brandon, because when Orobashi took like the people of Inkanomiya in, he actually found a book called Before Sun and Moon. And as most people know, Before Sun and Moon is a super fucking important book in this game. That book has a written history of the world that Celestia wanted to conceal. So this is the time before for Celestia, right? But when Orobashi heard about this book, he also heard at the time that there was a prophecy that said that like the dragon of water, you know, which is one of our original seven sovereigns, might be reincarnated as a human. Orobashi was like, uh-uh, uh I finally got my peace down here. I finally am my equivalent of an archon ruling over Enkanamiya. I am not having this shit get fucked up. And he bans the book. And then he personally starts to experiment on the dragon heirs, aka the Fashaps, in order to try to better understand like their abilities. And he's hoping through these experiments, which I would love to know how Urabashi the snake did this, but whatever. <laughs> through these experiments was really hoping to find out how he could prevent the return of the dragon of water. And so on the last day that the people of Inkanomiya were living in Inkanomiya prior to them rising up finally through the water, and through the sea into what we know now as Watsumi Island, Kanria came in. And Kanria was like on a mission to find Before Sun and Moon the book. And we don't know what happened to the book. Do we find the book in the Enjo storyline? Yeah, we get it. Don't we? I thought so. I want to double check, but I think so. Did we ever get to read it? Yeah. We did yeah, read it? Yeah, we do. Mm -hmm. Why do I feel like I didn't read it? I'm I'm dumb, basically, is what it comes down to. It is handed in at the end of the subquest collection of Dragons and Snakes, after which it can be interacted with to unlock Volume 2 in the Baya Kuyakoku collection. So I guess it's at the, however you say it, Baya Kuyakoku collection. Oh, so we have to, like, find it type of thing? I think it's, like, Volume 2 of that collection. So it'd be in, like, our archive. But when Conria comes in, Antigonus, who's, like, one of the people protecting Inkonomiya, he actually fights... And and he gets critically injured and dies and RIP as per usual in this game. And he's able to actually keep Conria from getting this book, which I found really interesting, like that Enconomia was able to protect the book from Conria, which was like a huge threat to Celestia. Yeah, that is odd. 
Like, why wouldn't they take the same side? Yeah, exactly. Considering they were forsaken for thousands of years. <laughs> they were like, you sunk us into the sea and like we lived in darkness and had to like create our own fake sun. And then like you have Conria being like, I want to blow these people up with the truth and you're going to not let them. <laughs> but anyway, so in this fight, to backtrack to, to the, this like fight that happened between Conria and Inconomia, which also like, could their names be any harder to pronounce together? I wonder what that chasm world was called. I know. It was really called the chasm. <laughs> no, it'd be like the Chasicolomedia. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like yeah, you couldn't have a little media. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the encyclopedia. <laughs> but Orobashi dies. And I don't 100% remember if Orobashi is killed or sacrifices themselves. But Orobashi's death brings about the bloodstained coral. And the bloodstained coral is the really pretty pink stuff we see in Watasumi Island. And he created an exit way for the people of Enkanomiya. And the people of Enkanomiya fled. And finally were not underground. And they lived in Watasumi Island, which is super fucking weird. Is that not <laughs> weird to think about? That, like, the people of Watasumi Island are basically, like, totally different than the rest of Inazuma. It's not just that they were segregated because of the war against the Raiden Shogun. Like, they mm. really were, like, a whole different class of people. <laughs> they fucked a giant-ass snake. My God. <laughs> Well, they worshipped Oribashi. And so, I mean, I could see that being, they were probably sort of ostracized because they, they didn't worship A and were instead worshipping this giant snake, which is, by the way, A killed Oribashi. Oh. So I could see them being at, sort of at odds. You know, it makes sense why there's this war between Watatsumi and, you know, the rest of Inazuma. So then I have a question. Maybe someone can answer this because I've been kind of confused. I remembered this idea that A killed Oribashi. But then Urabashi died the same day of like this Kanria fight. So I guess I'm a little like confused. Like, was Urabashi originally just gonna use his like living body to let the people of Inkanomiya out? And he happened to die because like A saw him? Like, do we know like what the how all those things are connected? So I guess when Urabashi discovered before Sun and Moon that because that was basically forbidden knowledge, both Oribashi and Watatsumi as a whole were found guilty. It says of four counts of profanity and eight counts of deceiving living souls. <laughs> and Oribashi was allowed to take all of their transgressions on itself and sacrifice itself so its people would be spared and taken under the rule of Celestia once again. Oh, that was nice of him. Oh, interesting. Oh. And then he left his head. Well, I mean, <laughs> and then he... Yeah, like, I guess half of his body is sort of under the sea, like, going, leading into economy, and the other half is up on that island where his skeleton is. Yeah. It's so funny because he's basically poisoning people all over that island. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little side note is after Sumeru opened, all of a sudden we realized that we had all these, like, those little, like, scorpion guys also in, in Azuma. And they were glowing in the, the purple and stuff like that. But it was because they were actually hanging out by Orobashi's deadhead. Orobashi giving them strength. Give me that mysterious meat. Oh no, not the mysterious meat. I do love it. 
Because I could get some crabs. Yeah, so he brings, you know, the people of Economia to the surface via the coral on his back, which is what Watatsumi Island is made of. And he ends up dying around the end of the Archon War 2000 years ago. And by that point, the Inazuman archipelagos were united under Makoto's rule with, you know, A as her body double. So confusing. So crazy. Like, I don't know why I have such a hard time with Inazuma lore specifically. (laughs) Like, I don't get it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I think that this is probably a good point to get into the the thing currently calling itself Enjo. I love that. It's <laughs> in the wiki. It's the thing that's calling itself. Yeah. <laughs> it changes throughout the quest. It's one of the funniest yeah. things. Mm-hmm. It changes like it, you know, it starts, of course, with a little question markies and then it goes to Enjo. And then it's like the thing calling itself Enjo. I just love continuously. There's still a catty bitch the entire time. Just catty as fuck. What is the one line they have with Paimon where they're like, well, yeah, they accused me of betraying them. And Paimon's like, well, wh- blah, 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 blah. and he goes, well, I did betray them. Yeah, did betray them. You know, fair is fair. It's like the number one clip when you like look up funny moments on TikTok from Genshin. It's always in them. Always. Half of it is from him. Let's, let's, let's be honest. So we meet Enjo in a human form. Dun dun dun. <laughs> in a library in Inkaromiya. And by in a library, we mean in um the remnants of a library in Inkaromiya. <laughs> and he tells us that they are looking for these books. And we need to go off and find five books, I believe. Yes. Although I don't think you actually... I don't think that the five books are Enjo's because I just did the five books and I had already finished Enjo. Oh, okay. So Enjo is separate from so the books? So we had to go look for something. There was a book that we were getting for him, but it wasn't the five that we talked about with Yai. So then is Enjo looking for Sun and Moon? I think so. Yes. 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 Okay, so that's why, because you will probably, uh, or I should say, I probably unlocked both quests at the same time. Yeah, and you probably did them right at the same time. And I was like, <laughs> I had to find so many books. <laughs> Meanwhile, last week. But so Enjo is looking for Sun and Moon, and we go off on a journey to help him find it. And I forget what exactly his like cover story is, but we want to help him. We think he's just like a cool guy. Yeah, like he's just stuck down there. He has a sense of humor. Which he seems so self-aware compared to most characters in this game. Yeah, which I mean, honestly, probably should have been our first red flag for this game, right? <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> oh my God. Anybody's self-aware. Can't have that shit. No. Someone actually talking about themselves too? Like, no way. No one talks in this game. We don't know anything. <laughs> but he brings us along like part of the quest, like when we're first down in Inkonomiya too, just from the gameplay of like unlocking the, the Dainichi Mikosho and, you know, getting kind of our bearings around things but he kind of follows us as we explore more and learn more from an economy by the way before sun and moon was one of the lost the five lost book it was yeah so when the fuck were 
are we doing for Enjo? I think you have to get the books for Abarax. What did Enjo want from us then? What did that bitch need? Enjo did originally, when we first meet Enjo, he is there you know, quote unquote, researching ancient texts. But the reason he's there is to try to find before sun and moon. And then he basically outs himself as an abyss lector and we beat him down and then he leaves. So he never gets the book. But that is why he was originally there. And can we assume that Enjo is working for our sibling? I mean, he's an abyss lector, so yeah. Well, no, because remember, there was that little video right before Sumeru came out, that teaser video. The one that sort of was recounting the different things you've done throughout to that so far yes it was Mm -hmm. one of the anniversary videos they put out for the two-year anniversary i mean maybe i'm assuming but i thought enjo was the abyss lector who was talking to your sibling i think it was because they had that sense of humor going on (laughs) i would 100 percent agree and they're like oh it seems like because of course in typical genshin fashion it's lumine that's the abyss abyss twin in the video and right. <laughs> Enjo's like, oh, your brother's really gone a lot of places, my liege. And we're like, go away, Enjo. <laughs> like, we don't give a fuck. So Enjo really comes out of left field eventually and turns into this lector. I wasn't expecting it. Yeah, but we weren't expecting it. But we also knew something was happening simply just by the fact that they kept every time you talk, they just kept changing his title. <laughs> it's like slowly he was no longer just Enjo. It kind of makes me think that he's like a ditto. Mm-hmm. You know, like the Pokemon ditto. Yeah. Like, he can transform <laughs> into anything. <laughs> like he reveals his true self and we're like, dude. He's like, what? You know. I know. He's so chill about it. He's like, what? Like, I, this is just me. Do you not like the true me? Yeah. <laughs> the answer is no, Enjo. It's because you're a fucking lector. And, and we end up fighting Enjo, but I don't think it comes to any, like, head of any sort. It's like, we fight him. He's kind of like, ha 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 ha. You're great at fighting. <laughs> the main thing he was trying to do was mess with the three towers of the void and infuse them with abyssal technology to basically plunge economia back into darkness what a dick <laughs> do we know why though like what what was his reasoning people fucking hate economia so he reveals that sumi serpent lady was one of the vishap people that he had made an alliance with after promising to engulf economia and darkness to save their captive kin in order for the abyss order to have safe passage so i guess he was trying to like abyssify economia so that they could try to find before sun and moon i'm guessing and that's during the event though right that's not during like the initial enjo storyline i think you're right that's during the three realms event because that's when we kind of find out enjo is kind of the one who tells us too that there are like the shop people like sumi and he also i think is the one who tells us that inkanomiya is kind of like the intersection of the three realms i did that event at the same time as the quest and it blurs together for me i find that that happens in a lot of them yeah we were talking about that the other night right Mm -hmm. but i do think that it's very interesting that enjo knows all this stuff too it makes me very curious what our sibling knows you know what the abyss knows why does the abyss like why would it be easier for the abyss to find the book too if it was like abyssified like brandon said like does that mean they can use their powers abyssified i mean i could be wrong but it seems like they were trying to get safe passage for the abyss no yeah you're definitely right yeah you're i remember reading that but anyway <laughs> so enjo just so everyone knows is also like the best character in the whole game yeah <laughs> like top tier best best character and while we're back to talking about lizard people is it theory time can i throw out a theory it's you know always what? theory time <gasps> 
Yay. So I love Shang Yun. <laughs> I absolutely adore my little popsicle boy. And a lot of people, even pre Inkanomia, pointed out that Shang Yun has snake people eyes. Mm. I don't know if you've ever taken a look at his eyes, but they snake like. It's very weird. So after Inkanomia came out, especially after this event with Inkanomia came out with Sumi, people were like, oh, well, Sumi is of a shop person and a snake person and a lizard person. Like, therefore, if Shang Yun has snake eyes, he should also be a snake person. But then <laughs> when Shenha was released and it was showcased that Shenha was related to Shang Yun, uh, there was a very large like discourse in like the fandom of Shang Yun. <laughs> where there was a lot of back and forth because it's like, how can Shang Yun be a Vashop person if Shen Ha isn't? Because Shen Ha's eyes are not lizard eyes at all. But at this point, like, not for nothing, they would be like extreme descendants of Vashop people. So I feel like there's a possibility that they could be Vashop ancestors or, an like, you know, great, 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 great grandkids of the Vashop like lords or of Orobashi, whatever it might be. And I think it's really interesting because Shenha needs the Basiswal Vashops for her level up materials. Hmm. Um, that would be the only thing that would make sense about her needing those materials. Right. Because they released Shenha at the same time mm -hmm. as Inkanomiya. And I think it'd be really interesting too because we don't see exorcists anywhere else in the game like the only exorcists we know are shang yun and shen han their family right mm -hmm. so i don't know and this is only one of the other places where we see the ghosty people the yes the same ghosty people that we see on wuwang hill mm -hmm. and at foggy island and at foggy island and i think on top of that shen ha and Shang Yun. they look like two people who were locked underground for five years like they <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't know. They're I, melanin deprived. Very <laughs> melanin deprived. I mean, a lot of people in this game are. Let's not get too far. Yeah. But they look very melanin deprived. They have like this like bluish gray hair. I think Shen Ha's is more of a blue gray and Shang Yun's is like a bright blue. But just like blue hair typically is supposed to be representative of white hair, even though there are white haired people in this game as well. In, you know, IRL, <laughs> they call white hair blue hair a lot of the time or gray which is also like a lack of melanin in the hair so i don't know that's like my random little theory is that they could also be descendants of like at least watasumi and inkanomiya maybe they are lizardy people very neat and i feel like and again this is like a stretch but i feel like it would make sense because they really haven't touched on the exorcist lore at all like at all <laughs> shang yun has a hangout where we barely find out anything about like his family why his yang energy is all like fucked up and for travelers who don't know like shang yun's yang energy is all out of whack basically you know like you have yin and yang energy in you his yang energy is all out of whack which makes him like much hotter than other people like he has like a hotter body temperature and he also has he gets like more hot-headed and like more like woohoo crazy much easier than everyone else which is why he's always eating his popsicles he always eating his popsicles it's also probably why he's a cryovision there's a really awesome theory i think i brought up last season about the fact that like Shang Yun should have been based on like the ambitions probably a pyro but a pyro vision would have probably killed him so I don't know I don't know you know what the possibilities are also it makes sense like that their lizard people and Shenha was able to properly train as an adepti almost you know like she has more powers than I think 
like Yao Yao or Zhongling, which have both like kind of trained under Adepti. I don't know how they got to Leeway. Like, I don't know how that Exorcist family got to Leeway, but I do feel that they are really maintaining a distance with their lore as well, which would be like an interesting end game theory. Yeah, it would be cool to see that kind of tie up and basically anything kind of bring up the Inconomia people again, since really once they came out, there's very little that you have to go back to Inconomia for. Yeah, and another twist too with Inconomia that I think is really interesting, and it kind of ties back my Shen Ha Shang Yun theory, is for me I feel like Shen Ha's eyes are very similar to to Sangonomiya Kokomi's eyes. I feel like they kind of have that like trifold fade. They have like a different set of pupils. They're a little different. They're beautiful. They're very pretty. But there's also this huge theory that Kokomi could possibly be that reincarnation of the Hydro Sovereign. Mm. Because Kokomi is the high priestess of Watasumi Island or the divine priestess of Watasumi Island. So it is assumed that she is Inkanomian, I'm assuming, right? Or of Inkanomian descent. Yeah, she's got to be. They have to, she has to be of some kind of an ancestor. So they say that because of the way that the Bethysmal bishops were evolving after they rejected the primordial one's rule and sort of just escaped into the sea. That normally they, one of them would have, I guess, grown up to become the new dragon sovereign or the new hydro dragon. Um, I'm assuming that means one of the seven elemental sovereigns but that because there's several things in the lore that say but because of the way that things went down that the next dragon water would be reincarnated as a human interesting what's interesting on top of that is that in kakomi's hair the two pieces she wears look like the level up materials you get from the shops and just the wrap Two more things to wrap it all together. Sumi, back to our event with Sumi, the snake lady. When we meet with her, we have these two charms. One Sumi has, one Kokomi had, and she gave it to us. And we find out that their charms kind of are the other half of each other. And that charm mm. helps us, like, change the towers back out of the darkness and fix them. And it helps put everything back into normal. And when we go up to Kokomi and we tell her all this crazy shit that happened, Kokomi says that, you know... Now that she understands properly how the bloodstained coral works, she's going to make sure that they don't have to go back into Inconomia and continue bothering and in like angering the Vashops. So one could say that it's just her being a good leader, but another could say that it's her trying not to bother her brethren. And <laughs> the last way that I will wrap it all up is that in Kakomi's idol stance, she reads a song and sword. And what other way can you be a really supportive distant, distant cousin than reading Shang Yun's <laughs> boyfriend's book? A legend of sword, yes. Yeah, the legend of sword, yes. What did I say? Song of sword? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that works too. I feel like that's somewhere in this <laughs> I don't know. But I do think that's all the time we have for today, travelers. Otherwise, we're going to end up in Greece ourselves at this rate or in Inconomia. And if I go to Inconomia, I'm finding Enjo. So we got to stop this episode while we can. Thank you guys so much for coming down the butthole with us again. <laughs> two weeks in a row. No. 
<laughs> if you liked today's episode, you hated today's episode, you don't understand where the Greek mythology comes in, we've got you. Follow us on Instagram, Tales of Tavat Pod, or on Twitter, Tales of Tavat, and let us know what questions you have, what thoughts you have. You can also feel free to give us an email at Tales of Pod at gmail.com, where you can tell us all your thoughts and expressions of the theories and thoughts we talked about today. Send us your own theories. Yes! But with that, safe journeys, travelers. We'll see you next week. Bye, incinerated sun children nerds. No, not the sun. The dipshits. <laughs>